0: Thank the Lord. It is good to be here today. I thank the Lord. It is December, and uh, uh, for some of you, though, otherwise, December, let's see, today is December the 5th, right? Five days into Christmas music, but I know for some of you it's about 35 days into Christmas music, and uh, hopefully you're completely burned out after Christmas and no more Christmas music. Uh, I love this time of year. I really do. You say it's 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 all the Christmas gifts. I don't mind those at all, <laughs> but honestly, it's what it does uh, for um, for Christians. It reminds us of of Christ, kind of puts it puts him in front of us a little bit more. But also, the the landscape is a little more conducive to telling people about Christ, and I thank the Lord for that. I while you're turning to the book of Luke, I chapter two, I I. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard anybody try to talk about the spirit of Christmas or the the essence of Christmas. And uh, every Hallmark movie is the same. <laughs> I'm telling you, those screenwriters—they make a lot of money for nothing. Amen. <laughs> Good-looking guy with a suit comes is is there in her life. Better-looking guy in a plaid shirt steals her heart. Same show, <laughs> every time. You know, slight change in the crisis, but always the same thing. Ladies, you should know, he, he, just stay away from plaid shirts, amen? Watch those guys, right? right? No. They're like, no, it's the guy in the suit. I understand. But, uh, you know, people try to figure out what the essence of Christmas is, and we write, you know, movies and all about that. And there's books, and obviously Charles Dickens try to help us understand this time of year. And we understand. If, if, you, if you've done any history, you realize that Christmas has been... Uh, made into a huge marketing scheme and, uh, and all of that and obviously as Christians we understand that that's not what it's all about honestly if you were to study the Bible if there was a word that describes Christmas it would be the word waiting that's what the first advent was all about waiting and so sometimes parents Christian parents who are trying to raise their kids to see through all of the frivolity and all this stuff Maybe you're looking for a way to help your kids kind of understand what this is about. Teach them to wait, because that is what we are doing right now. We are waiting for the second Advent. And so that's a good spirit of Christmas that you could teach your kids if you're going to teach them something biblical. Christ is returning, and we are waiting for him. Luke chapter 2 is considered one of the top Christmas chapters, so to speak. Birth of Christ. I don't offend anybody if I say the word Christmas. I hope I, hope I don't. Uh, but it, it helps us kind of understand the time of year and the time of biblical history and of prophecy. And, and Luke chapter 2 is preached often because it covers the birth of Christ. Today I want to do something a little bit different this morning, if we could. I want us to go to the end of this chapter. We're going to look at Jesus not as he was born, but as he was, for any parent, a very scary time of life. (laughs) And that is stepping into the teen years. Here's Jesus in verse 41 of Luke chapter 2. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk, kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, Mary and Joseph, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God in man. Heavenly Father, every heart here today has needs that only you can fill Father, I pray you would use me as your vessel for your glory and honor, and may your voice be the only voice heard today. May your spirit be the only spirit speaking today. May you fill this room with the Holy Spirit of God, and may the Word of God prick us in some way, encourage us, and bind up wounds. Whatever is needed today, Father, you must do it, and I ask you by faith to do it. Thank you for our pastor. Keep him safe and and give them good services there today. And bless, maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know Christ their Savior. God, I would pray that they would come to know you even today. And we ask you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Kind of a shocking story in front of us this morning, is it not? Surprising. Almost a comedy. If it wasn't so tragic. I love a lot of things about this story. If you are a parent today, raise your hand. All right. It's very easy for you to put yourself in this story today. You can identify with Mary and Joseph in some way. I, I, I want to say this. that In a spiritual way, we can lose sight of Jesus. But in this real way, Mary and Joseph lost sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they, they lost him. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And I want to, I want to say something today. I'm going, to, I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes, preach about losing sight of Jesus. Though this is not a typical Christmas message because he's now 12 years old, I think what happened in this story happens all the time, and strangely enough, happens at this time of year, maybe even more and I'll say it this way, even those that know Christ tend to lose sight of him at this time of year. Now, I want you to understand something before I get into the message. I'm not saying any Christian that knows the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior can lose their salvation. I'm not saying you can lose Jesus, like, where did he go? I'm not going to heaven anymore. That's not what the Bible teaches. Hebrews teaches us that, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Romans chapter 8 tells us that Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Believers are sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. That's the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul talked about his confidence in God and the Lord that God would finish his salvation and perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. If you're in the body of Jesus Christ by faith in Christ, you are destined, predestinated to be conformed to his image. You're sealed. You're taken care of. It's his salvation. You responded to it, and he saved you. So I don't mean to give any hint of that at all. But in a very real way, there are some things that you and I can see in this passage, some things that actually caused Joseph and Mary to lose sight of Christ. And I think we can kind of capture some of that and apply it to us today. And look at this story in the scriptures. I, You know, you know me a little bit. I, I find humor in some things that maybe you don't. <laughs> And that's how I keep going on in life. is to find humor in crazy things. And I want to I wanna bring out four points to you today, maybe five, if you listen quick. And give you some ways in which we can lose sight of Christ. And I, and I want you to you say, man, I know where he's going. I'm going to get out my phone. Can I, can I ask you not to do that? To, to, to maybe open your heart, because we must be careful that the normal doesn't become the mundane, which becomes a numbing effect in our lives, and we're not even responding anymore to God, to the Lord's working. That's what I'm asking God to do with me. And I want you to see, first of all, it's simple points today, but I want you to see the passage. We'll walk through it together. Number one, losing sight of Christ in the middle of religious activity. Verse 41 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem, notice the mundane routine. Every year, every year, Joseph and Mary, they followed the commandments of the Scripture. They went to the feasts. They were required, all males were required to go to the feast. Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, and the Passover. Mary was not required to go to these feasts. But, like Hannah and maybe other godly women in the past, she attended and had been attending the Passover. Now, I want you to notice in verse 44 that Mary and Joseph were good and godly people. And the Passover was a family event. It's something they did, Jewish families would do Together, but they, supposing him to make, notice this phrase here, to have been in the company. There's a group of people, of tribes, of families, that would go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. I want you to imagine that for a second. It's hard for us to imagine that because we are Americans and we are several centuries removed from this time, though the Jewish people still practice. The Passover, it has never been since they've been taken out of Jerusalem, put out of Jerusalem. It's never been quite the same. But I want you to imagine it that day. Imagine Jesus at the Passover. I'm sure he attended before. His parents followed the word of God, so he had been there before. But this was a different year. This is a different attendance. This is a different feast attendance this, this year. He had gone up many times, and he had, he had been with mom and dad most likely. But this was a different year. Why? Because on the 13th year, a young man could be considered a full member of the synagogue. It would be called, as the Jewish people call it, a son of commandment. He was maturing. I want you to listen. As Jesus, many, many years had gone to the feast, but this day, this, this time, the child Christ is listening in a different way. He's listening to cheerful hosts and bleeding lambs. He hears children laughing and parents instructing, stop that. And then at 3 o'clock, the creaking temple gate swings open. And you could hear a ram's horn blast each as each separate family would sacrifice their own sacrificial lamb. And you see that same lamb that would be wrapped in its own skin would be put over Joseph's shoulder, as the Jewish people used to do. And then that family, after they made the sacrifice, after they commemorated the Passover, would carry that lamb over their shoulder and their arms and go back home to eat. Smell that lamb roasted over pomegranate spit, eaten after sundown by the whole family. I want you to see that flickering candle there as the family would gather around as the Jewish people still to this day do. And you hear them singing songs from the Psalms. Listen, as Joseph retells in quite detail what the creator of the universe did in the behalf of Israel when they were delivered from Egypt. Seven days of dazzling images, smells, joyous celebration, holy delight, beautiful sounds, rapturous feelings. Surrounded by history. You know, religious activities have a way of really dazzling our minds, arousing the emotions. I imagine that Joseph and Mary were quite involved in this, teaching their son, and by the way, they had more children, but teaching their family how to celebrate the Lord's Passover to commemorate the deliverance from Egypt. It must have been amazing to hear, and it must have been amazing to feel, and it must have been incredible to smell. And the experiences were just enrapturing. I feel as often, often in 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 American culture, that's what religion has become. That's what even the time of Christmas has become. We, we, we gotta get all the good vibes. We've we got to have the right Spotify playlist. We've we got to have the right candle. The right snow-dusted reindeer. It is all a, a part of it, and, 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 and it's, even as Christians sometimes, we, we kind of intermix the religious activities with other stuff. And, but not only that, even in our religion sometimes, we, we're dazzled with all of the activities Turn to Romans chapter 10. Yes, Israel was God's chosen people. And yes, they had the oracles of God. And yes, Jehovah had intervened miraculously, supernaturally in their history over and over again. Romans chapter 9, Paul relates the history of Israel. In Romans chapter 10, Paul relates the present day of Israel. In Romans chapter 11, Paul talks about Israel's future. By the way, these are troublesome passages to some theologians. If they'd understand that all three chapters have a major context of Israel, it would help them out. Notice it, and I don't mean to be snarky in any way, but notice verse 1 of chapter 10. Notice that it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for who? To God for Israel. It is Israel, but he is giving the Romans something as well. He's helping them. Look at what he says. He's giving his heart, verse 2, for I bear them record. Who? Israel. He wants them to be saved. He said, I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Notice this phrase. Paul says this about his own people. Notice the the phrase in verse 3. Being ignorant of God's righteousness, by the way, God's righteousness was in the temple that day. Going about. You see the phrase, the words going about. Keeping it going, man. We got to keep this activity going. Why? We were commanded to. But they're ignorant of the righteousness of God. And how, how could Paul say that? Because the righteousness of God came in the flesh, Jesus Christ, and dwelt among them. And what did they do? They said, He's interrupting our religious activities. He's messing with our style. And I want to say in a very practical application here, when you and I lose sight of Jesus, it is often in the middle of what is considered spiritual. We lose sight of Christ in the middle of religious activity. And we though we know we're not saved by going about doing our own righteousness, we often feel like we keep close to Jesus by going about doing our own righteousness. We must be careful as Christians. You say, can I lose sight of Jesus? The most dangerous place is right here. Right in church. You say, how can that be? It can be that you and I can sit with our physical presence here. But our heart is gone. It's already out. We must be careful. Unbeliever, let me tell you this. Please don't come to Treasure Valley Baptist Church and hear the music and, and see Christians singing and hear the preaching of our pastor and think that experiencing that has anything to do with getting to know Jesus. The worst thing you can think is that inside this room is where God is. And as soon as you step out there, he's not here anymore. We must be careful. If you're not saved this morning, I'm going to tell you, the stuff that we do is only a reflection of who we know. And when it ceases to reflect who we know, it's just the stuff that we do. It's just religious or religiosity, if you want to say it that way. Christian, I'm going to say this one more time to you. Be careful. One of the best and greatest places to lose Christ is in the middle of religious rituals. Have you lost sight of Christ? I want you to see, secondly, we can lose Christ. And when we do, we can lose sight of him. When we do, it results in human suppositions. Look at... Verse number 44. But they, notice this word, supposing. That is a danger. Listen, Joseph, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help some of the parents here this morning because you're like, your guilt meter is like here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and if you're grandparents, every once in a while remember what it was like to be a parent and have a little bit of mercy on this, amen? <laughs> Joseph and Mary were not bad parents. If they were bad parents, why would God allow them to raise his son? They were normal parents, and this is great. (laughs) It seems logical that Jesus came up with his family and with the company, and it seems logical that he would go home with the company and with his family, right? That's what mom and dad suppose. Have you ever left a child? (laughs) My wife, Miss Carol, is telling me about the stories at the ladies' meetings and... and, uh, and and, uh, I don't think it was you, but it was uh, someone else, I won't mention the name, that lost a couple children. uh, If you you don't know me, I I come from a family of ten, and I'm number nine. I tell people, when you have nine children, when you get down around about five or six, there are no more pictures of us. (laughs) All the film, young people, all the film was used up, and so number nine... It's like, we had this other kid. Uh. And so it's easy to get left. <laughs> I don't think I was left. I know I had a sister left at Don Green's church, sleeping on the pew. You talk, you talk about a nightmare for a Christian kid. <laughs> we left on the pew in the dark. Last thing you remember, there were Christians. Next thing you know, there's no Christians anymore. It's just you and you. If you were raised in the 90s and 80s, you saw some of those 70s. You saw some of those end of the world movies, and you're looking for guillotine. I mean, you're. <sighs> Someone you know what I'm talking about this morning? You ever been left as a child? I feel like you have a little bit more leverage when you've been left versus leaving a child. Normal parents make assumptions. Normal parents are distracted. I'm not saying that Mary didn't have some shame, right? A child left to himself? But I'm saying that Mary was normal. And I thank God that even Jesus Christ's parents were normal. It's a comfort. But you know, the biggest trouble we get ourselves in is when we make spiritual assumptions, spiritual suppositions. Sometimes we want to find Jesus, but we want to find Jesus in the exact place that we want to find Jesus. I think Naaman, the leper, is a good illustration of that. When Elisha sent the messenger out and said, go wash in Jordan seven times and your leprosy will go away, your flesh shall come again and thou shalt be clean. He said, behold, I fought. I thought the prophet Elisha would come out and stand. You're going to have a light show, right? A little bit of fog? Stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place. It sounds like a good camp meeting here. And recover, I like how he says in the third person, the leper. (laughs) He thought. He thought God would heal him in a specific, certain way. He had suppositions in his mind, of what God would do. you know we lose Jesus when we have suppositions about Jesus? Oh, yes. In Jesus' ministry, they had suppositions about him. When Jesus stood up on that great day in John 6 and declared, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, no one was expecting that talk. In fact, it offended so many people they went away and didn't follow him anymore. They supposed they knew who Jesus was. They supposed they knew who Jesus, what Jesus message was all about, and he turned some things on them. Listen, unbeliever. Those that don't know Christ this morning. Some unbelievers will say this, behold I thought God loved everyone. He would not send his creation to hell? Behold I thought Behold, I thought, says the unbeliever, uh, God accepts everybody just exactly the way they are. Be careful. Behold, I thought, God wants me to be a good moral person. Behold, I thought, if I just did one more good thing, said the rich young ruler. Behold, I thought, if I just lived my truth, God would accept me. Be careful of this Error, this wrong philosophy of, of living your truth. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming from the Father but by me. Be careful of living your truth. Your truth can end you up in hell. Your truth has man's philosophy attached to it. Your truth has what grandma told you. Grandma might have been a great lady. Your truth may be what education tells you. Your truth may be what your child tells you. Or this religion tells you. But if you don't know the truth, the way, the life, you don't know truth, real truth. Be careful of making assumptions and making suppositions about Jesus Christ. Remember Abraham got himself in trouble one time? Abraham said, because I thought. (laughs) Surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's sake. He lied about his wife because he thought. He thought he knew what they were going to do and so he thought he knew what he should do. Be careful. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not. Lean not. What what do you do when you lean? It's something that they you know catch you. It, it's something to just get rest on, right? It, it's your default. Oh no, what's happening? Okay, i going lean not on my, lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. When we, you and I have suppositions about Jesus, we get ourselves in trouble. I'm going to say this: Mary and Joseph they spent three days looking for Jesus. Now I, I don't know why. Maybe it took so long. Someone has said that because the temple was the last place they thought they would find a 12-year-old boy. Could be. But people have gotten themselves in trouble supposing they knew where Jesus was. Be careful, Christian, of coming to church and just doing the ritual and supposing just doing the ritual is going to get Christ's presence back in your life. He said, some, some have drawn nigh to me with their mouth, with their heart is far from me. I want you to see the third thing this morning, and that is this. Losing Christ through, losing Jesus through fearful hearts. Notice in verse 45, they looked everywhere. They sought among their kinfolk. They sought among their acquaintance. They went around saying, Here, Jesus, he, he, he looks like this. He's about this size. Little twelve-year old boy, twelve-year-old boy, has black hair. Have you seen him? You know where Jesus is? You know, it is a very fearful thing, and there's hardly anything like it when you lose a child. Especially as a parent. Everyone gets together. You've seen the stories, you've read the stories, you've seen the movies of everyone searching and locking arms and walking through fields trying to find a lost kid. You see, Mary here is showing a very natural, ordinary, understandable fear. But I I want you to to see something. There's something here for us to learn this morning, and maybe you've never seen this, but there's something in this story that we might casually read over. Look at verse 46. And after three days, they found him. Do you know false religion claims that Jesus spoke words in his crib? You know, Roman Catholicism says he um, he took little clay and he made pigeons and they flew when he was a child. This is all in in those lost books that everybody's searching for. They make spectacular speculations about the childhood of Christ. So spectacular that God thought, man, I should have put that in the Bible. Man, missed it. Jesus was a normal 12-year-old boy. I can't say he had acne, but I wouldn't be surprised. Although Jewish people, olive oil, they do much better with that. They just do. Now, if Jesus, I just want to. If I digress for a second, if you allow me to, if Jesus had a halo over his head like the paintings depict, they could have found him in a couple hours. <laughs> have you seen the boy with <laughs> the glowing? It's kind of. It's not really round. It's kind of oval. That may be. It's, <laughs> right <laughs> he glows in the dark <laughs> let me say this let me add to that And i really in all the kindness of my heart i'm not trying to be ugly but it, but if you're trusting mary as the mother of god by the way jesus never said mary was the mother of god But if you're trusting Mary to get you out of purgatory and she can't find Jesus? I mean, (laughs) let me just say this. This is a doctrinal statement. Mary is not a co-redemptrix. We see her humanity. We see, ladies, ladies, we see her stress. Anxiety, sorrow. And is that not true also for us in a spiritual way? When we lose sight of Jesus, what replaces him? Anxiety, stress, angst, worry, fear. I just want to make this statement. It's a Bible verse. Second Timothy 1, 7, For God hath not given us, The spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and oh man, thank God, in the middle of a pandemic, a sound mind that you can think straight and you can, by the word of God and by the Holy Spirit's power, look at stuff and go, that's of the devil, that's a false prophet, that's a spirit of the Antichrist, that's Fauci. And I can
1: remove
0: the unsound thinking. And some of that, can I help you this morning, it happens when you just turn it off and meditate on what the Bible says you're supposed to think about. You know, we lose Jesus in our religious activity, in our human assumptions. We lose sight of him in our fearful hearts. There's one more here. We lose sight of Jesus at times in doctrinal errors. Look at verse 48. This is interesting. I I read this. I read a commentary, and the author brought this out, and I said, man, I've never seen that before. What right does he have to show me something in the Bible I've never seen before? (laughs) And after the Lord said, I can help you, look what it says here. He says, Jesus... Is, is there, he's standing there, he, he's just been talking, verse 47, they're listening to him talk, and by the way, for the Bible students in here, I believe this is where Jesus became more knowledgeable of his divine side, is at his 12 years old, where he, by the way, heard the word of God in the temple, and this is where he became more aware of that, and why he said, I must be about my father's business. But notice in verse 47, he was, they were astonished. They are listening to a 12-year-old boy and the answers he has, and he's talking to the doctors. And here's Mary and Joseph, 48, and says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. Mary and Joseph. That tells me that he had never acted like this before. They're looking at Jesus, answering all these lawyers, answering all these hard questions and saying, is, is this the boy you told to take out the trash? Wasn't he supposed to clean up the sawdust? And look what he says. Here's Mary, human son, why hast thou dealt with us? Have you ever said that as a parent? (laughs) Oh, man. What are you doing to my wife and I? We, we, no, I won't go on, but we had dreams for you. But notice what she says doctrinal error. Behold, what does it say? Thy, what's the next word? That's a lie. You say Mary was lying on purpose? I think so. (laughs) Why? Because Joseph wasn't his biological father. The passage tells us that. Notice in verse 43, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his what? Oh, you see the Holy Spirit separate? So Mary says, hmm. um, Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Why does she do that? Some have supposed, and I agree with them, that she was trying to protect Jesus' reputation, which in the end didn't actually help because later on, they looked at Jesus in the face and said, ye do the deeds of your father. He said, ye do the deeds of your father. They said unto him, we be more not born of fornication. We have one father, even God, the Pharisees said. So the accusation is, you were born out of wedlock. You're illegitimate. You see, trying to explain, study Matthew 1, trying to explain to a small town with small minds how all of a sudden Mary had an angel show up and there was a baby in her womb. That's a very hard thing to pull off for, for skeptical Jewish people. Right? So I believe the human error here, the sinful nature of Mary is saying, hey, everybody, this is, uh, this is actually my boy here, and that's his dad. Verse 49, Jesus, 12 years old, kindly entreats his mother, and he said unto them, how is it that you sought me? <laughs> Wist ye not that I must be about, notice it, my capital F, father's business. Joseph was his real father, then Jesus would have been found in the carpentry shop, not in the temple. The truth is clear here. The Holy Spirit is telling us God is Jesus' father. And by the way, interestingly enough, and I find it just kind of gives me a little chill, that's the first recorded words of Jesus in the Bible. You know, when you and I lose sight of Jesus, it's easier to fudge the truth. Fudge a little bit here and kind of tell half-truths. Be careful that you don't have his words in front of you at all times. Be careful that you're not meditating upon the pure words of God in this King James Bible. Be careful that it is not upon your lips, and God help us all, that it's not in our minds when, when, when we should be meditating on it, because it's so easy to move just a little bit from the truth. The devil is, is not interested in making you a drunkard, Christian. He's interested in you and just questioning a little bit of this book. Just a little bit just so he can pull you off one degree. By the way, aren't you thankful that even the 12-year-old Jesus could look at his mother and say, Mom, I'm doing what my dad said to do. I don't mean to be smile-like here, but it almost seems like he could have (laughs) winked at her. But even if he had, she didn't know what he was talking about. They didn't understand. And I'm going to say this, there's so many times in my Christian life I don't understand what Jesus is doing. I lose sight of him and I want to find him again and I'm looking around and saying, Jesus, are you there? Jesus, are you there? Where'd you go, Jesus? He said, Hey, hey Matt, you, you left me over there where you were reading your Bible all the time, but not actually reading your Bible. Where you were singing the songs, but you weren't really singing to me. You you left me over there when you, when all you could wait is to get back to camp so I could actually think about God again. You, you left me over there when when everything in your life became about the next thing that you had to get done not about what I'm doing in you. When we lose sight of Jesus, we begin to look for him often in the wrong places. Let me say this to you in closing this morning. How do you find him? How do you find him? There's a lot of bewildered Christians right now. COVID has, man, torpedoed a lot of people's faith. They're looking for everything, and they, they keep looking, and they're like, oh, man, it, well, it's not Fox. They're camp compromises. It's, it's not Drudge Report he gave out in the middle of the, everything. Maybe it's Newsmax. There it is. My hope is Newsmax. I'll go to there. I'll, and we're struggling, and we're looking, but often we're not looking for Jesus. We're looking for peace, but not the peace that he gives, not the world's peace, the, the peace that I give, he said. It's not like the world. We're looking for joy to the world, but we want it to be found in a perfect turkey. Or we want it to be found in, in kids that always obey or, or in in-laws in, in, in that will get off of our back. We're looking for joy. We're looking for peace. We're looking for it in something. You say, you say where is it found? Where is it found? How do you find him, Christian? Let me say this to you. You have to first recognize you left him. He did not leave you. They supposed him to be among the company. Here's a danger. I walk through these doors, and I suppose that Joe Pasola has Christ all over him. And so if I can just get close to Brother Pasola. Well, pastor's there, maybe he, maybe I can get close to him and I'll get close to Jesus. When we start supposing that he's among the company, I'm not saying he's not. He said he would be. But he wants you to want him. When you pull out that hymnal every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, you want, he wants you to want to sing to your husband, Jesus Christ, and worship him. Have you lost sight of him in your activities? Well, I teach in master clubs. Be careful. Religious activity is one of the first things that can can, can spin you, and you think you're doing something for the Lord, but you're just actually doing something. Unbeliever, let me just say this to you. Recognize this. Here's, here's the, See, so this truth here of losing sight of Jesus... Uh, doesn't, it's not completely parallel to the Christian because here's the neat thing. You ready? Unbeliever, he's looking for you. The devil's trying to blind where Jesus is. He's trying to take the seed of the word of God out of your heart, but the Lord is seeking. The wind is blowing, John 3. He's seeking those. The Father seeketh such to worship him. And Christian, let me say this. Where did you leave him? Go back there. Right, right there. Right where you left him. It may take longer to find him than you think. Especially when you suppose and go further that way. The angel under the church of Ephesus said, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Where did you fall? Remember that spot. Go back. Repent, do the first works, so or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove that candlestick out of its place. I understand the pandemic and all of its concerns, but don't lose Jesus. Don't leave Jesus. Repent if you're not saved. God commandeth every man everywhere to, to repent. The Christian realized this that Jesus, verse 51, submitted to sinful parents. We can submit to a sinless Savior. There was a tourist who stood for a long period of time on the beach. But instead of facing the beach, he turned away, stood on the shore, and turned around from the sea. And he picked up a seashell and he put it up against his ear. The water lapped right there at his feet and the sun beamed down upon his head and the waves crashed right behind him but he sat there firmly pressed with a seashell to his ear. He wanted to hear that powerful surge. He's heard about the ocean and the seashell and he's listening. I want you think about that. Here stands a man with the power of the ocean in front of him. And yet he is content to listen in a seashell. Some people have difficulty recognizing that what they have caught up to and what they've been chasing is right there. What they're looking for is right there. He's right there. And those kind of people are always running, always seeking like a tumbleweed. They run and roll through the earth, never discovering, always looking, but never seeing, always measuring, but the numbers are all wrong. Why? Because the Bible says that God is not far from us. He's right there. The word is thee even in thy heart. Right there is Christ. You say, where do I find him? Wherever you left him, but he's not far. You can find him again. If you're not saved this morning, the Bible tells you in Romans to confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead. For with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Right there, the word is nigh thee. You can be saved. Don't stand at the ocean of forgiveness and listen to the sound effects. Come receive it. Jump in. For everyone that has, has been fully satisfied. Father, I have lost sight of you and and your son at times. I am comforted this morning that even... Your earthly mother did as well. Your stepfather did as well. But Lord, I think even more of a tragedy in my life, I've spiritually left you at times, thinking that I would find what I needed away from you. I'm thanking you today, Lord, as your child, that when I came back to you, you were there. And I pray that you'd help me to keep my eyes on you, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Please, Lord, help me to keep my eyes on you. And now, Lord, we hear messages like this during this time of year, and they're needful because really there are a lot of things that distract us. I would think American culture And all of the amenities that we have tend to pull away spiritual thoughts out of our minds. I'm guilty, and I'm sure there are some people here today that feel the same. So, Lord, may we turn our eyes upon Jesus again. Maybe this year, maybe it's not right now, but maybe it's just a a turning point in our lives where we say, Lord, I want to get back. I, I remember when my heart would beat with yours. Just knowing the truths of the Word of God excited me to my core. Studying your word was vibrant. When I first was asked to serve in this Sunday school class, I was so excited to be used of God now. Uh, putting it together last minute. I'm just winging it, God. Help us all to get back to you. If there's someone not saved today, God, would you please speak to them? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I believe the Lord wants me to ask this question. If there is... A young man, a young woman, a man, a lady, child today. You say, Brother Marshall, I am not certain that I am a Christian, that if I was to leave this world, I would be forgiven, and I would go to be with with Christ, with God. I'm not certain of that. And today I heard you talk about religious activity, and I came today, and I was hoping to find Jesus here today. Would you pray for me that I would come to know him? I'm interested in knowing more about Christ. Is there anyone like that this morning with a lifted hand? You would say, pray for me. I am not certain I know the Lord Christ. I don't know if I know him. But I would like to. Is there anybody like that this morning? Do you know the Lord still wants to save people? He hasn't stopped. He's ready and he stands ready. For you to come to Him, is there anybody like that this morning? I am not certain. I am a Christian with a lifted hand. Could we pray for you? We're not going to take you in some room. We're not going to try to give you some sort of teaching or book or something like. We're going to. We, we would love to show you from the Word of God exactly how to be saved. Is there anybody like that this morning? Don't lose sight of Jesus in the middle of all this. He is seeking you. Then, as we stand this morning. Christian, maybe you have lost sight of Jesus and you'd like to maybe come back and spend some time with him again. Let's stand if we would this morning. I invite you if you'd like to come to pray and talk to him. Turn to
1: 253. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh soul
0: Thank you for being here today. I would ask if Brother Hurst would come and dismiss us in prayer. If you're visiting with us today, thank you so much for coming. Come back uh, next week when our pastor is here and hear some real preaching you'll enjoy when he's back. Brother Hurst, if you would.
1: Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you, God, for your word and for sending your Son to this earth to die for all of us. And Lord, thank you for this reminder not to ever take you for granted and Help us all to keep our eyes on you through every season of the year, especially this wonderful time of year, your birth. Pray we would all have our eyes on you instead of the bling and chaos around us. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.